Well, good morning, Life Source Church. It's so good to be joining you this morning in your living room, being able to share the Word of God through our online service today. Thanks for joining us and being with us here. And I can't wait until the day where the government allow us to join back together as one here at Life Source, one body being able to worship God together. You know, we're in a, the third week of our series titled Help for Today and Hope for Tomorrow. And I'm really been enjoying digging into the book of Romans with you. And uh, over the last two weeks, we've looked at lessons around uh, that we are never alone. And the truth is, that you are accepted in Christ and there is therefore now no condemnation because of this truth. Praise God for that. The second week was that uh, we were able to look at our identity being secure in Jesus because he has adopted us into our family. And the title of that message was that we are never abandoned. God never leaves us alone. He never forsakes us. And what a truth that that is, that we are sons of God. Come on, church, I am so excited for today. So we're getting into week three, and uh, as we dig into this, how about we just take a moment to set aside this moment for prayer. Lord Jesus, we come before you now, and we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit. We ask that you would speak to our minds today and renew our hearts, rejuvenate within us a passion for you. Lord, speak to us today through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So just by way of introduction this morning, the difficulty for us uh, as we navigate these things in our world today is what is true from God's perspective of us may not be the reality that we are living We need to renew the way we think to believe and walk out the truths of God's word to overcome the world and the flesh. And that's the importance of Romans chapter 8 for us in this time. Today's title for our message is this, we are never powerless. Will you say that with me, church? We are never powerless. For many of us, this statement comes across sometimes as a little bit hard to understand But yet the word of God tells us that in our weakness, he is strong. It seems that in my week this week, the Holy Spirit has been working on an object lesson through my own life. And uh, the past couple of weeks in particular. And what I'm about to say, I believe is really on point or where God wants to be speaking to us today to break through the feelings and the emotions that we're going through at this time. I've been struggling. I don't know about you, but I've been struggling in my own mind. And I believe that you have been as well. You see, the enemy knows how we think. And at times he loves to sow thoughts of condemnation and doubt to undermine our faith. But we must be aware of his schemes. But you know, the enemy is pretty easy to read at the same time. But while he's pretty easy to read, we still get caught in his traps. We get tripped up by the tripwire. But really, he only uses the two tools in his toolkit to sow his lies. The first one is this, busyness. He uses busyness to render us ineffective in the call of God. He interrupts our time with God. He interrupts our prayer time. 
and our devotion, he interrupts our time of drawing aside to worship God. Come on, church, you must be with me. You know what I'm saying. You, you draw away for two minutes and one of the kids come running in. It's very simple. The busyness of this world of navigating the job that we do and all of that sort of stuff, it's really hard to put those things out there. He makes us busy. The second tool in his armory is this. He uses loneliness. He isolates us by making us think of ourselves. He sows fear and doubt, rendering us helpless like small animals separated from the herd. Like the lion that Peter talks about, he can't wait to strike you as he separates you from the flock. He uses this uh, tool of loneliness to isolate you. His schemes are not mysteries, yet they are subtle. He lays in wait. Jesus spoke of him like this, John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal, to kill and to destroy. Yet the good news is that Jesus followed this up with this very verse. I came that they may have life and they may have it abundantly. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 to 5, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Come on, who's happy about that? For the weapons of our warfare are not of this flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against us or raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. We must take heed to take every thought captive. To remind us of our lessons from Romans to date, Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 8, verse 5 to 8. He said, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. And how, much tr how true is that? As we isolate ourselves or we allow busyness to creep in, we, 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 we're drawn instantly to the flesh and even the, the gratification of the flesh. But to set the mind, Paul goes on, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. In the last verse, verse 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. If Satan and his horde can get you busy or isolated, he can wreak all sorts of havoc on your mental and emotional state. He can seed doubt and fear and you will be sidelined from the main game. You know, Jesus doesn't want us sidelined. He has invested in you with everything that he has. His entire life he gave for you. He has also given the Holy Spirit to you to give you an advantage he has not left you as an orphan, but empowered you by his grace to be more than a conqueror. And it's time to stand up. So let's dig into this church together. I feel I want to preach this to you today. But let me ask you this question. Where are you? Where are you in this time? I wish you were here with me in this room. Where are you? 
I wish you were here as vocal and as voice, in voice with me as we share the truth of the word of God. Romans 8, 18 to 21 says, For I consider that the sufferings of the present God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willing, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Since the fall of Adam and Eve, creation has been subject to the curse of sin. We have seen this play out so much in the past six months. The creation around us is groaning. In, in 2020 alone, we have seen things like the drought. We've come through flood. We've come through horrific bushfires. And now we're in the middle of a pandemic called COVID-19. Sin wants its full effect. Yet the church of God, redeemed in the blood of Jesus called to arms to make a stand, must make a stand. We have been called into a cosmic battle that has been raging since before our time, and we are God's chosen to advance his kingdom here and now. So sons of God, where are you? To address the groanings of creation, we the church must really break through into the fullness of sonship and renew our mindsets and understanding. We are not powerless and God has confirmed this by sending into us his spirit, his grace, the power to overcome and achieve. Can you relate to the Abba Father that we discussed last week? Do you cry out to God knowing that there is more? Papa, Daddy. Or are you still stuck in that Old Testament mindset approaching God as if he was going to punish you, as if you were a slave seeking to appease him if only you could? Are you a slave or are you a son? Last week we established that we are sons of the living God. Amen. The next leading into this message, I want to, as, a, as part of a subtitle here, I want to highlight oppressed to distressed. This is where the enemy wants to keep you. The enemy oppresses you to distress you. He, he keeps you in this slave mentality to make sure that you do not or cannot function in the fullness of being a son. He knows nothing else but to serve God and rebel against him. That's it. When he was Lucifer, he was serving God. But pride came in and lust for power and he sinned against God. He rebelled and now as he wallows in his own oppression, he makes it his business to oppress the sons of God by sowing lies. It is the truth of the world that sorry it is the truth of the word that will combat these lies. 
Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. I have made known to you today his strategy, and when he succeeds, when he gets us to the point of introspection, we begin to believe his filthy lies, the lies that we all know too well. These lies can be summed up in one of, four, one of these four areas. When we get so low in one of these areas, we begin to believe another one. And then we believe multiple. And this can be a dangerous place to be. These four areas are this. The first is this area of being inferior. It's an inferiority complex. It creeps in very subtly. We lose confidence and begin to doubt who we are and whose we are, even our calling. And we begin to ask this question, who am I and am I even called of God? The second of these lies is insecurity. We start to lose hope, beginning to doubt what is real. We lose our surety. We doubt God and his word. The third is insignificance. Am I speaking to anyone today? The first was inferior. The second was insecure. The third one is the feeling of being insignificant. We start to feel worthless, that we are of no real value to God or even our loved ones. We question our worth in that place. And the fourth one is inadequacy, that I don't have enough or even worse, that I am not enough that I am missing something and we begin to compare ourselves with others. Church, this is a dangerous place to be. And I can tell you that over the last two weeks, I've felt every one of these four. So I know what you're going through. Just as an example, the fourth one in feeling inadequate, so many people are preaching online at the moment. So many people are putting messages up that anyone can tune into and watch. And I tell you what, there are some amazing preachers out there with great teachings and very quickly you can feel like you don't measure up, that you feel inadequate. But I tell you what, it's the call of God on your life that says that you're adequate. It's the fact that he says that you're his son that says you're that you're adequate. Satan's plan is to get you to a place where you will be utterly destroyed. He plays with our humanity. He understands our emotions and knows how to crush them. He is a master at this. He knows our humanity. He knows how to use it against us. Yet we're no longer of this world, Ephesians tells us, as we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. To overcome, we must see that Jesus has overcome the world on our behalf. There is a man in the New Testament who displays this humanity so well. In fact, those around him record the stories almost with this intent in mind. He's one of my favourite Bible characters because we can learn so much from him. His name is Peter, the great apostle. Peter was a slave to emotion, but yet he was released in election. Simon Peter represents us all very well. Here is a man who goes from the highest of highs and crashes to the lowest of lows almost instantly. Peter knows the Jesus of the mountain. 
transfigured in all of his glory to the point where he says, can we put a tent in this place for you? And Moses and Elijah. Yet when threatened with his own life, Peter quickly denies Jesus three times. A man who sees Jesus work the most amazing miracles, the kind that would have him walk on water with Jesus and then very quickly move into the perception of the natural environment where his own human eyes caused him to doubt and sink to his near death. The thing that excites me, though, about Peter is not just his humanity, but that Jesus chose him in spite of his humanity. Peter is the ultimate contrast because he becomes one of the greatest of the apostles. And he proves to us that time with Jesus really helps us overcome the weakness of the flesh. Romans 8.18 says, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Peter understood weakness. He understood that it, what it was like to be a mere man. He left his fishing business because he was not content with his life and desired more. Yet when Jesus was killed, he returned directly to it. As all of his hopes were dashed, I believe he bought into this lie of inferiority. As the waves and the wind picked up around him when he was walking on the water, he displayed his lack of confidence even while he was looking at Jesus. He looked to the waves around him and his insecurity brought fear for his life and very quickly he lost focus of Jesus. This is what insecurity does in your life. The moment you take your eyes off of Jesus is the moment you feel insecure. As he betrayed Jesus, hearing the rooster crow, in that moment he would have felt the sting of insignificance. His faith was not there when it counted most and he had betrayed the one the only one who really took the time to understand him. And lastly, questioning his own leadership. Feelings of inadequacy must have been present when Jesus was locked behind the stone in that tomb. As Peter was cowering, locked in the house, cowering for his own life, he must have been feeling inadequate in his leadership. We see this because it was the women who went to the tomb and not Peter leading them to go there. Peter understood the weakness of humanity more than most. Yet Jesus called Peter to follow him. How did Jesus overcome Peter's inadequacies? Jesus combated the lies of inferiority, insecurity, insignificance and inadequacy by leading Peter through the word, taking time with him, loving him and disciplining him. That's right. Discipline is a good thing, church. It is an amazing encouragement to read Peter's story and see Jesus, the one who empowered Peter 
to overcome. We, like Peter, are not powerless because Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit, one like him who will lead us into all truth. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. I don't know about you, but knowing that the Spirit of Jesus is interceding on my behalf is a very powerful thing. God doesn't leave us powerless, church. He gives us the Holy Spirit to overcome. We could really open this passage up, but maybe we'll leave that for another day. What amazes me is the transformation that, Peter, that happens in Peter's life when he is baptized with the Spirit at Pentecost. This blows my mind every time I think about it. This man was transformed with power and becomes confident and bold in his ministry. Maybe that's one for you to study this week as you read through the book of Acts and dig into what happened at Peter in Acts chapter 2 as the Spirit of God filled him with power. Today, I want to pull four lessons from Peter and really help us to understand, to overcome these four areas of struggle, these lies that the enemy wants to put into our life so that he makes us and renders us powerless. If we can understand this, we can combat it with the word of God. The first lesson from Peter is that we need to understand that, we, that Peter went from inferiority to leadership. Peter, like many others in the Bible, he left his profession. When the enemy had him down and out, the first thing he wanted to do was return to his profession. You know, last week I felt like this myself. I was wondering in myself if I should go back to selling bearings and belts. What about you? When you start to feel inferior, are you questioning what you're doing right now? What have you felt in this time that has got you feeling inferior? What has got you feeling like you're a failure, like you don't measure up? What has Satan got you believing about yourself in this time? Jesus combated this in Peter, and we read it in John chapter 21. When Peter was fishing, Jesus appeared to him on the seashore and showed him how dependent upon Jesus he had become. Another night, another night with no fish, and then bang, at the word of Jesus, they pulled in another haul. 153, the Bible records. Peter immediately put on his outer garment, jumped in the, river, in the water, and he swam to Jesus, knowing exactly who it was, he was reminded who he was in light of that. I think that is amazing, church. The conversation that unfolded after breakfast was amazingly restorative. In verses 15 to 19 of John chapter 21, it records the dialogue between Peter. And you'll know it because it's in this moment that Jesus asks Peter three times, Do you love me? 
And his response, of course I do. Then Jesus tells him, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Jesus restored Peter to his role of leadership and significance. He counted the inferiority that was inside of Peter. By redeeming him from that place of failure and feeling inferior and thinking that all he had to do now was fish for fish, in redeeming that thought, he counted that and brought him to a place of significance and leadership. Jesus connected Peter with his calling. Do you remember what his calling was? Follow me and I will make you fishers, fishers of men. What has Jesus asked of you that you have forgotten due to feeling inferior? This reality is you will never achieve your purpose wallowing around feeling inferior. You'll be just like Peter trying to catch a fish and you can't. Jesus has given you the power of the Holy Spirit, his grace to enable you to do something that will lead others into their destiny. You might think that you're not a leader, but every one of us has been called to present the gospel, leading other people into their destiny. What is their destiny is your destiny. What is your destiny is their destiny. We're all called from inferiority into leadership. And Jesus empowers us to do this. The second lesson from Peter is this, from insecurity to security. In Matthew 14, we see recorded that Peter walks on the water. Would you like to walk on water? Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to do? Peter actually walked on water with Jesus. Yet when insecurity crept in, Peter would only remember that he got wet and that he showed little faith. The enemy would be at work on that. Peter, you failed. He'd be using the other disciples around him, just jeering him and teasing him and stirring him and all sorts of things. Uh, you got wet. Little faith, though, is enough to move a mountain in Jesus' perspective. Yet through the lens of insecurity, you fail to see the truth. In fact, Peter probably felt like a failure. And when you feel like it, you eventually confess it. When you take your eyes off Jesus, it is so easy to see the negative and believe lies and become insecure in who you are and in whose you are. Isn't that true? Jesus combats this insecurity in Peter. Only two chapters later in Matthew 16, we read this. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? In verse 14, they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Jesus is trying to combat their lens, what they look through, how they perceive him. And by by confessing the way that they see him, they will line up with that and come to believe that. 
How do you see Jesus? How do you see the Holy Spirit at work in your life? I love Peter's answer. He replied in verse 16, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Isn't that a powerful statement? And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Praise God. Church, it is the profession of your faith in Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God, that brings you security. It changes the way you look at things. It changes your lens and you begin to see the world differently. When the enemy tries to bring insecurity in, you confess that you believe in Jesus, the Son of the living God. When you confess Jesus and as you profess Jesus, you also proclaim Jesus, you go from insecurity to security. From chosen into sorry, from insecurity to security, to being chosen, to being accepted and empowered to live secure in Christ. Now that's a good word. As Peter, as Jesus called him, the rock found security, he also found the key to overcoming the gates of hell, which is this profession in Christ. We are secure in Jesus stable in all of our ways and as a mighty army standing before our enemy when we confess jesus then we stand secure no longer insecure our third lesson from peter is this peter goes from insignificant to significant and for you it could be the same thing peter's life changed when he met jesus Peter's life became significant when he encountered the risen Christ. And the significance of Peter's life rolled into the laying down of his own for the one who would lay down all for him. See, his life didn't become significant because he got a bigger boat or a larger net or a bigger crew. His life became significant when he laid it down for the cause of Jesus. When Jesus went to the cross, the story goes that Peter had abandoned him. In making himself look insignificant in his denial of Jesus, he came to the crossroad. As Jesus restored him to a place of acceptance and significance in John 21, he proclaims to him that he is to feed his sheep and that he will also die for what he lives to share. Peter on the day of Pentecost preaches powerfully to see many come to salvation. He leads the early church to evangelize the known world. And his death, well, it is believed that he was martyred for his faith in Christ around 64 AD in Rome. Much like Jesus, he was crucified. No one can argue the significance of Peter, but to Jesus and his calling... Peter was significant. His significance was for Jesus and he was significant for the calling. Peter's brash 
claims of never denying Jesus eventually are fulfilled not before the cross, but before his own cross. When he was led to his own death, his eventual martyrdom. We can safely conclude that this man who traversed the highest of highs of faith and the lowest of lows had not done so in his own strength, but in the power of God, by the Holy Spirit who graced him to be Christ-like. It's the same for you. You will become significant not when you try to hang on to your life, but like Peter, when you release it into the care and concern of Jesus. How great is it to know that we, you and I, are just as significant to the plans of God as Peter, and that he has given us the same spirit who empowers us all to believe and through the baptism of fire, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he now empowers us to see the gospel advance. Our value to God is not in our personal strength, our physical strength or our ability of our mind or our mouth. It is dependence upon Jesus, our Saviour, and the empowering presence of his grace supplied by his Holy Spirit. Lastly, the lessons from Peter is inadequate to adequate. God does not leave us powerless, church. He did not leave Peter powerless. Remember when Peter was locked in that house, Jesus was in the tomb and he was cowering for his life. When he was fishing on the lake, running from his call, it was inadequacy that had him in those places. Jesus restores. And this is the message of hope. Jesus restores. When I am weak, then he is strong. When I have no answers, he is my answer. If I can't, I give up. And then that's when God steps in. I go from feeling inadequate to being confident, sure, complete, sufficient, not in myself, but in all things pertaining to Jesus. Peter changes in an instant. I love the story in Acts chapter 8. I could read this story all the time. When Philip proclaims Christ in Samaria and many come to faith, including Simon the magician, you might remember the story. This is the power of a story where the power of darkness is overcome by the power of the gospel. Verse 13 of Acts chapter 8 says, Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. This magician, this worker of the dark arts, he was amazed at the miracles that, Simon, uh, sorry, that Philip did. This magician, he sought the signs and the wonders and the miracles. Yet the story continues and Peter and John, they hear in Jerusalem of what had happened down in Samaria and they arrive with one purpose. And the purpose was to release or impart the baptism of the Holy Spirit to the new believers. I love that. And this magician coveted the ability 
of all the things that he's done in his life, the power that he wielded before his conversion, the one thing he coveted was the power of God, the ability to impart the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands. Peter and John were being used significantly by God and it was noticed. And Peter adequately answers the foolish request of this man. He got, Peter has gone from feeling inadequate to feeling adequate. He is able to combat the request of this man powerfully. And this is what he, he says. This is what he states. Acts chapter 8, verse 20 to 23. May your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter. For your heart is not right before God. I love this. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in a gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Now that's a powerful statement of someone who is transformed from being inadequate to now being adequate in the power of the Holy Spirit. He sees the underlying issue in Simon's life and he calls it for what it is, powerfully proclaiming, prophetically proclaiming what the problem was. Peter knew who he was, he knew who he belonged to and he was adequate, not in himself, but in the confidence and position of being in Christ. So much so, he was able to see through the attempt to gain power from pride and confidently rebuke a young believer. Oh, but you can't do that, Pastor. You can't bring discipline and rebuke to a young believer. Well, Peter did, and he did so with the power of God and the authority of God to bring a rebuke. And if he hadn't have done so, we don't know what happened to Simon. But my hope is that he repented and he came to his faith, remembering his baptism. But Peter, it wouldn't have happened if Peter wasn't adequate in his calling. It is not arrogance, it is confidence in Peter's life. When inferiority, insecurity, insignificance and inadequacy rule our thoughts, we are slaves to the old man. When we know who we are in Christ, we are able to overcome, secure in the promise of Jesus to overcome. This is my conclusion today, church. And I know I need to conclude here. But has the word of God touched your heart today? I believe it has. The power of the kingdom of God is different from the power of the world. It is seen so easily in Acts chapter 8. The power of transformation, the power of the gospel, the power of the kingdom is all too real and it is the power to overcome the power of darkness always i love that that god empowers me with his holy spirit which positions me in a place of authority over the works and schemes of the enemy our enemy is real but so too is our king when we stand on the truth it really will set us free I want to conclude with this verse, these verses from Peter. 
Now, I know, I know we're breaking down Romans chapter 8, and I read from Romans chapter 8 for you today. But let me read this from 2 Peter 1, 3 to 8. It says, His divine power, this is the topic of what we're talking about, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Peter understood the way Jesus had led him by this to overcome the inadequacies and insecurities of his life. He continues, Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. You are no longer slaves to those things, church. For we, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection. And get this, and brotherly affection with love. Peter is connecting back to that Peter, do you love me statement from John 21. He's talking about the brotherly affection and he's now got it. Combating or adding to the brotherly affection, the agape love of God. Church, when we pursue these things in our life, inadequacies and insecurities and all of that stuff has no place or part in us. This is why the enemy wants to take you out, thinking about yourself, having you gratify the lusts of the flesh. But when you keep your eyes on Jesus, you're able to walk on water. When you keep your eyes on Jesus, you're able to walk into the leadership call that he has on your life. When you keep your eyes on Jesus, he makes you significant, not because of what you can do, but because of who he is in your life. Romans 8.29 says, For those who foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. God's plan is to have you conform to Jesus. Now, doesn't that sound like good news? And those whom... He predestined. That is you and I. He also called. Come on, church, you've got to call. And those whom he called, he justified. Praise God, I am justified in his sight. I am significant not in myself, but because he says I'm significant in him. And for those whom he justified, get this church, he glorified. Praise God. Jesus is our ever-present help today so that you and I are able to propagate hope for tomorrow. Let's bow our heads and give thanks to God today. Wherever you are, however you're watching this, whatever time it is that you're watching, open your hearts to Jesus right now. Father, I know all too well that people are feeling insignificant. And they're feeling insecure. And they're feeling inadequate. Lord, I know all too well what that feels like. 
But just like you did with Peter, you are doing in my life. And I believe you have the power to overcome this in everyone's life that is sitting under this ministry right now. Holy Spirit, in every home, in every car, in every place that this is being heard and everything that falls under my voice right now, Holy Spirit, will you fall upon their hearts, reminding them that significance is not found in the flesh. It is found in the dying unto self and living unto God. Today we recommit our hearts to you and we want to guard our time to not let the enemy make us busy. We want to keep ourselves from feeling lonely by combating that with the knowledge that your spirit is with us, never to leave us, never to forsake us. And that if he is with us, the truth is that we will not be left abandoned and that we will never be powerless. Holy Spirit, empower us to overcome our emotional state today. But even more so, Holy Spirit, empower us in unity to be the church, to be a force for the kingdom of God, that hope may rise in our lives, that we may stand forth propagating faith in others. Lord, I pray, let your army arise. For the world, the creation groans for the rising of the sons of God. Today, Lord, we rise as your sons. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, God bless you. Thank you for listening. May, I, may you be encouraged to read more of Romans chapter 8 this week. Look at Peter's life. Look at Acts chapter 1, chapter 2. Look at the work of the Holy Spirit and see how he wants to lead you the same way he led Peter. God bless you, church. Have a fantastic week. We'll be with you soon. Amen.
joining us on the live stream of Life Source Church. If you click the raise your hand button, please make sure you fill out the form. If you'd like to respond to the prayer or you just want to have a chat, we'd love to connect with you. Please make sure you leave us a comment on whatever platform you're watching on today. Be blessed. Have an amazing week.